Radio Drome. Episode thirty something of Radio Drome. I'm kind of out. <laughs> I just had to cough a little bit. I'm a little. <laughs> I'm a little bit out of sorts tonight. I'll get to that in a minute. But obviously, Brad is here, and we've got Kenny Chesney's number one fan, Jared Foyles, here as well. Yeehaw! Did after seeing Kenny Chesney, did you feel like a little inbreeding was in order, just so you'd fit in with the rest of the audience? <laughs> do you have the no, urge to but, s- no, but I felt the need to put a pair of truck nuts on my uh, car. Say, did you have the? Did you feel the need to screw a tractor? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> it's just so sexy. Well, what do you think? Did you have a better time at Kenny Chesney than Jake did at Smurfs? From what I understand, yeah, because <laughs> I, because I, I'm I'm not a fan of. Kenny Chesney's music, but it was it was an okay time. The only time I really kind of rolled my eyes and scoffed like, oh my god, I cannot believe this, was whenever he played She Thinks My Tractor is Sexy, because I, I that song is just so friggin' insufferable to me. I'd rather go but, see the Smurfs. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the rest of Kenny Chesney's music honestly is, is I don't know, it, it's all about just like Summertime and in uh, the Caribbean and everything, and you know that, that I can get behind that. You know, he sure you didn't accidentally go to a Mungo Jerry concert. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll tell you what. Like I said, I, you know, walking around that concert, I saw so many guys with ripped, you know, ripped sleeves off their shirt and chicks in cowboy boots and cowboy hats otherwise well they got to do something they got to do something to kill time before the state fair <laughs> <laughs> most state fairs aren't until next week brad <laughs> exactly they're killing time before the state fair you can only have so much sex within the same family bloodline <laughs> it was great last year when we did the uh the, the brad tries from the, the state fair i swear i was i was the only one there in a suit you also got to realize you're also in what central illinois in the middle of August. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a little hot. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 because I'm sure if it wasn't hot, majority of the people there would be in a suit. <laughs> you, never, you never know. They could have lost a bet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dang. I got to wear a suit. I've been saving this thing for my funeral or my wedding, whichever comes first. Actually, I got to take that back. Uh, I think I think I was one of three people wearing a suit that day of the fair. The other two were hauling oats. Nice, <laughs> and the local Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, which if you watch the new if uh, you watch the new re-release of Oblivion, could be Carl Striken. Sure, sure, yeah. I can't believe what they did with that, putting out Oblivion with a cover art that looks almost exactly like Cowboys and Aliens to try and trick people <laughs> into buying it. <sighs> Cowboys and Aliens. Oh my God, that's in the theaters, but I can buy it on DVD. But it's called Oblivion. It looks the same. <laughs> Well, is anyone really going to fall for that? that uh, I'm kind of surprised that the asylum didn't do a knockoff of Cowboys and Aliens. They probably couldn't get the bu- budget for it. It all went to the new Mega Shark versus Giant Glowing Vampire that they're doing. Sweet, it's going to be great. Hope they get Paul Logan back. No, Paul Hogan. I want to see. <laughs> I, I want to see some down under knifey action. Paul Logan and Paul Hogan in the same movie. It's going to be great. I watched Ballistica recently. That had Paul Logan in it. Um, I actually had a lot of fun with it, but uh, I was really, really disappointed that it had it. The movie's got both Andrew Devoff and Robert Davi in it, 
but cool. they never have a scene together. You still gotta hope that they met on the set at some point and just kind of, hey, dude, know, you're awesome. Right? Exactly. It's like, did they do this movie that's got them both in it to try to prove to us that they're two different people? I don't know if it worked because they never shared the screen together. It had it, the movie had Martin Cove in it too. That was cool. No, it, Andrew Andrew Divoff is is an actor I like a lot. He he, I do he too. always plays. A, I've always liked him. You know, like Toy Soldiers, horrible yeah. horrible movie. But he sold his part. Oh, I I even like Toy Soldiers mainly because of him. <laughs> mainly because of his part. I I love him in uh, another forty eight hours. Oh, he's aw he's badass in that as Cherry Gans. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's a little insane. Who better Who better to play uh, James Remar's brother than Andrew Devoff? Exactly. Back when um, I was trying to get Spoonie to do that Miami Vice review that I was that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. And I still worked at the TV station where I had access to a nice green screen. He and I had worked out of things because I kind of look like a, a biker in my daily life, where I would do like a little insert thing of uh-huh. uh, of you know trying to play like a member of Reb Brown's gang, oh, and sure, yeah. we, we were going to get beat up by Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I was going to take a f- phone call and go, "Brotherhood, the victim's name is Reggie Hammond. Yeah, we can get on that." <laughs> I, I I always thought that would have been funny. I saw the trailer for uh, that new movie with Eddie Murphy in it, uh, Tower Heist. I saw the trailer for Tower Heist, and about I go through half about halfway through the trailer, and I'm like, is is he playing Reggie Hammond again? Because <laughs> do you know the do you know the movie? I haven't seen the trailer for that one yet. No. Well, it, it doesn't look that good, but it's it's a movie about um, it's. Uh, Alan Alda is a uh, a billionaire who lives in this this like New York City tower. He gets busted for uh, like I don't know maybe a Ponzi scheme or some kind of embezzlement, and is in house arrest inside of his tower. So all of his employees band together and they're led by Ben Stiller. Like Ben Stiller is like head of security or something, and they they band together to to uh, rob Alan Alda or something and to rob him of his million do- millions of dollars because they lost their money in this scheme and in order to help them do this heist they get the help of someone who just got out of jail and it's Eddie Murphy in the trailer the first time you see him is him sitting in a cell and he just gets out I'm sitting there like oh man red light <laughs> I know is he going to be sitting there singing the singing singing some of the police you just reminded me of something Brad okay they're rebooting lots of franchises or giving new sequels you know to 20 year old franchises would you yeah. do you think another 40 or a third 48 hours could work if they were able to get him and Nolte back together it would sort of, I mean, it, it depends. It would sort of depress me if Reggie Hammond was still in jail. <laughs> that would, because I was kind of depressed even, like, in the second, I like the second one, but in, in, in the second one, at the prospect that he was still in jail at the beginning of it. I, like, that even kind of made me sad a little bit. I was like, oh, he met the girl at the end of the first one. He was going back for just six months and was going to get out again. Oh, man, that's that's just sad. So <laughs> now that it's 21 years later, if they do a, a if they do a third 48 hours and Reggie Hammond is still in jail, like I would be I would be I would be depressed. Maybe he's in jail for a different crime. Maybe he got popped doing something else or or, or maybe swap it the other way. 
Cates is the one that's in jail for doing something dumb. You know, like for uh, another 48 hours tried something like that. Cates in trouble and Reggie yeah. having to bail him out. But go the other extreme. Like Re- Reggie's the head of security for some corporation that needs yeah. that needs some information Cates has, and he's in jail or something like that. I wouldn't mind that. I I wouldn't mind that at all. A good script oh. could a good script could make that a, a good movie. A good script could make it fine. I mean, you know, I mean, a good script could even make another Beverly Hills Cop movie fine. Who knows if that would ever happen? As long but... as it's not that British one they were talking about, where where Axel Foley goes to London. As long as it's yeah, not I... that, because that's a bad idea all the way around. <laughs> that's just a would... bad idea. Was that when Brett Ratner was still attached to it? I can't remember who, if they had a director yet at that point. It was just a script that they had. It was supposed to be called London Hills Cop. And it's just like, oh, you guys really know how to kill a franchise, don't you? Yeah. And I thought yeah. John Landis killed the franchise pretty good. With the third one. The third one sucks. But, oh, I saw that one in the theater also. So did I. Oh, that was terrible. And and as much as, as, much as I like Hector Elizondo, all right, I mean, he, as a replacement... Haggard didn't work. No, it did not. I wanted to tell you guys why I am so ugh tonight. Mm-hmm. In the last 48 hours, I've only slept about three of them. Oh, man. I had, oh, I... I had to go to Milwaukee today. Now, you guys yeah. have to realize where I am in relation to Milwaukee. Yeah. That's about a three-hour and 45-minute drive one way. Oh, wow. And I had to be there approximately the same time I would normally be going to bed, which wow. meant I did not sleep at all. Then I drove, uh-huh. had my meeting, which took about six hours, and then drove back, and I just woke up from about a three-hour nap in the last two days. Oh, man. And, and you know what I hate about those meetings is that I'm, I'm sure in the meeting you, uh, you only spent five, ten minutes, right? No, we spent a good five or so hours. I was getting prepped for my deposition next week in my lawsuit. Uh, yeah. It, it was a meeting with my lawyers. Did you at least get to sleep a little bit before you came back? No, no not before I came back. Just it, when I got I got home around six p.m. We're recording this at around ten p.m. I went yeah. I, I went to bed at six, woke up at nine fifteen. That's the only sleep I've had. Oh, dude. Yeah, my I uh, was going on. Uh, was it last weekend or the weekend? Uh, no, it was the weekend before. I uh, I was going on. I was up for about twenty a little over 24 hours one of those days because we were out for Brian's birthday and so usually when I stay out really late my sleep schedule gets pretty out of whack was up after that and was up uh, uh, couldn't go to sleep that night and the next day went to went up to Champaign to uh, shoot some stuff with uh, with Ed and and by the time it was over I'd, I'd, I'd been up for, for well over for about 26, 27 hours. Slept really good when I got back. <laughs> See, the worst thing about doing that kind of thing is you're so tired you're falling asleep at the wheel, you're falling asleep watching TV. As soon as you go to bed, can't sleep. <laughs> I had no, I usually don't have a problem. If I get a second wind, then maybe. But by the time I got home, I was uh, I was out. I, I, I was out. Um my sleep schedule was weird there for the next few days because oh let's see uh yeah i i it was probably four in the afternoon uh and then slept probably got up at three in the morning then that night probably went to bed at like seven o'clock at night then got up at some obnoxious freaking time 
then I think got up at like three in the morning again. Like, ugh, I had my high school reunion la- last weekend, so you know I was out pretty late. So by that point, I'm back to my quote unquote normal sleep schedule, which still kind of sucks. Well, I'm I'm sure Jared couldn't sleep just with all the dreams of Kenny Chesney in his head. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, track. He <laughs> go go to sleep counting tractors. <laughs> <laughs> but now tonight's topic. Sexy, sexy tractors. <laughs> Tonight's topic, I want to talk about Steven Seagal, what happened, and kind of what happened to 80s action movies. Sure. Because I, I, I realized that after watching Film Brain's Seagal Month, that yeah. outside of some of those direct-to-DVD movies, of which he's made 22 in the last 10 years, which is pretty yeah. sad, that I realized that, holy crap, I actually have not seen two of his theatrical movies. Under Siege 2 and The Glimmer Man. I you never hadn't saw seen those? those. I saw those in the theater. I, th- those are the only two I hadn't seen. So I went and, of course, this is the way fate likes to play with me. I went and rented The Glimmer Man in one of those, you know, four movie sets from the library. The only disc that was scratched and wouldn't play was The Glimmer Man. Oh, that sucks. So I still have not been able to see The Glimmer Man. I actually like The Glimmer Man. I can't give an opinion because I haven't seen the damn thing yet. Yeah, I, I actually liked it. I liked that he was it was he was after a uh, a serial killer in that flick. Um, oh. I enjoyed. I actually enjoyed that movie. Um, I even like uh, Under Siege too. How about Ticker? I rented that as well, but that's not a theatrical movie. So T- Ticker, I haven't seen. Honestly, I've only seen like maybe two or three of his direct video movies, which. Is sad because back in the day, I was I was a huge Seagal fan. When I was a kid, like both my dad and I, we were huge Steven Seagal freaks. We went to go see all of his movies in the theater. You know, uh, whenever company was over, my dad would have a fish fry or something like that. You know, we all sit around and, and put in a Seagal movie. Uh, you know, he was kind of. Uh, you know, I mean, there there were several action heroes that we loved watching, but but he was he was definitely one of the main ones. And I, you know, my dad my dad stuck with him for a little longer than than I did. Uh, I was done with Fire Down Below. See, um, I, I stuck I stuck with him through Exit Wounds. After Exit Wounds is where I gave up. I you know Exit Wounds I went I, Exit Wounds I came back a little bit because he got in better shape for that I felt like it was a comeback movie so I was like okay I'm gonna go see this movie you know Seagal is back he he dropped some of the weight alright let's go see this and we go see it and I didn't like it and then he made uh, Half Past Dead and pissed all that good crud away yeah 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 Half Past Dead yeah my dad at least stuck with him to uh, the Patriot and because I remember him being like I taped this new Seagal movie it's probably not going to be very good. You want to watch it? And I'm like, I I can't, man. Fire, uh, Fire Down Below was so bad. Was so bad. Like, I mean, On Deadly Ground was pretty bad, but I was still there for the next movie. I was done with Fire Down Below. And I know that I, I, know that I got out pretty early there because I know that a lot of his direct-to-video ones are worse than Fire Down Below is. At that point... It was like I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm gonna get the guy back who uh, did Out for Justice, Marked for Death, Under Siege, these movies that I love. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna happen again. 
and it was fire down below was just such a depressing miserable soulless experience huh. uh, um i so see you keep calling it fire down below isn't that the owl my nuts movie I don't know. Because um, I, I, I think that's the one where, like, 17 different people get hit in the testicles in that movie, that it was just like, why is this the Nuts movie? I know. he Fire Down Below is the one with Chris Christopherson. And um, Mark, Hel- Mark, Mark Helgenberger, too. Yeah, I think Stephen Lang was in it. But I, I, I don't remember. When when you talk about that, I, it makes me think back to uh, the Onion movie. There was a Cock sketch puncher. in the... Cockpuncher. Yeah, Cockpuncher. Cock uh, I didn't know he punched a bunch of people in the nuts and fire down below, but yeah, there was I, all, there was all these really bad overdubs that were clearly coming from off camera, where somebody would go like, "Oh my nuts!" Mm-hmm. It was almost like it, he was parodying himself by that point, and I don't think he was because I think that was the height of Seagal. I am the goddamn Steven. Every scene, he's supposed to be this undercover cop in the movie, and he's wearing these multicolored jackets, and oh my god. You know it's a bad freaking revenge movie where when his partner dies, like, during the opening credit sequence in, like, a flashback scene. How do you have a flashback scene in the opening credit sequence in a revenge movie? It, what was funny, his, his most, one of his most recent movies, which was called, like, uh, Dangerous Man, I think, is what it was terrible. Um, like, me, Brian, and Sarah are watching it. We we didn't make it more than, like, a half hour, 40 minutes into it. It was, oh, God. Like, it, at the beginning of it, like, he's in jail and he's up for a parole hearing. But, of course, he's sitting there in, like, a leather jacket and whatever, like, reading from the script. Uh, Sarah's sitting there, like, she said something like, how is, like... She's like, what were his older movies like? And, and Brian and I kind of looked at her like, you haven't seen any of his older movies? And she goes, no, I, the only other movie I've seen him in was Machete, which he was really good at Machete. He, he was a, one of the best death scenes ever in Machete. Yeah, he was He was great. He, he was really damn good at Machete. We were like, oh, well, let's shut this piece of crap off. We got to show you some real Seagal movies. So we popped in Marked for Death. In, like, the first five minutes, Sarah is like, is like, this is like watching a completely different performer. She's like, what happened to this guy? He's charismatic. He's full of energy. He's He just exudes confidence on screen. And he's he's funny. He's, he's likable. Like, what the hell happened? And and actually, I haven't seen a, a Seagal movie in so long. You didn't Did grow you up with Seagal them? movies. You didn't grow yeah. up with Seagal, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just Under what was Siege? the one? Yeah, yeah. I've seen those. That's a classic. I mean, but I just, I guess I just don't want to go with the cliche uh, one and say Under Siege. Mark, uh, out, the, out for Justice was my favorite. Mark for Mark for Death was mine. No, what? that's another great one. What was the one? I know you mentioned. I know you mentioned there was one where he was in jail. Wasn't there another one where he was in jail? Half past like, dead. There was yeah, like half, a, a rapper, some rapper. It was, was half past co-star. dead. That one was horrible. That one was horrible. All of a sudden, when he gets into a fight scene, he gets really skinny because oh look, stunt man. Hey, yeah. I, I do have I to admit. I do have to admit. With Seagal, I don't understand whether he really understands that he has become a parody of himself because you see things like cock puncher or remember that Mountain Dew commercial he did 
I can't believe it's me either. Yeah, and he really looked he really really looked like he was having a good time making fun of himself. And then I read an interview where and the interviewer brought up his weight problem and he got all pissy. And it's like, so are are you okay with this cigar or not? Are you willing to have fun with well, it or are I you can, sensitive I about it? I can sort of understand that. I mean, I it, it's all about context. It's all about, you know, maybe whatever the setting was. You know, they, 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 there are parodies like Cock Puncher, parodies like that Mountain Dew commercial. One, they, they don't really bring up his weight. And even if they kind of did, it was it was done well. That's a little different than being interviewed by someone who you've never met before, and they're essentially calling you fat. But he like, was fat, really fat well, at that of point. Course, of course he was fat, but no one likes to be called that. Um, whether or not he is, is, you know, whatever. I mean, he is, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure maybe... I, I mean, I can, I can understand. Like, if he was in an interview, maybe he wasn't in the best of moods, and you got some guy sitting there who is calling fat. Is he? Yeah, but... He's got the right to be pissed off if someone if someone insults him. Well, all right. Here's a question for you two guys, knowing Seagal. Executive decision: better movie after he dies, or the whole movie falls apart after he dies. You know what? When I saw that movie in the theater, I was pissed. Oh, yeah, because um, he was sold as a star of that movie. He was. I was a little scared when I saw the poster, and there were all of those names, and then it says "and Steven Seagal." I was like, eh, uh, mm, I don't know. And then, you know, eh, the the scene happens. That, We're not going to make it. You are. He dies. I'm in the theater, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You really? Oh, ugh. So for the rest of the movie, I was, I was pissed. So I it's was like, like, you got Kurt Russell and Steven Seagal, and you choose Kurt Russell? Are you stupid producers? I like Kurt well, Russell too, so but that I, it's not so much that I wanted one of them to die. It's why did either one of them have to die? I mean, I, I heard it was behind the scenes stuff that Seagal was actually supposed to die later in the movie, but he got in a, a pissing match with one of the producers, so they killed. I it. So they killed. They uh, wrote it, wrote a, his death scene, and I, for whatever reason, he agreed to it. But I, I heard he was originally supposed to be in quite a bit more of that movie. I believe it. That was back when he was... You know, back in the day, Seagal wasn't the nicest guy in the world. I think he's a bit more laid back now than he was in the day. You know, back then, early, mid-90s, he wasn't the greatest guy to get along with. So I believe that story. I I completely believe it. And and watching Executive Decision again, it's a pretty good thriller. I I do kind of watch it like, man, this would be so cool if it was Kurt Russell and Seagal throughout most of this movie. See, yeah, that's what I kind of wanted. I wanted yeah. to see Seagal on this plane kicking some terrorist ass, not dying when they get to the plane. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And it is, you know, it, after that, it, it is it is a good thriller, but at that point, it, it, it's one of those things like, why did Seagal even have to be in it? Or why did the other than, like, oh, it's... That's a, a twist that he gets killed a half hour into it. You know, that's surprising, yeah, but why? You know? I don't know. That's that's just my that's just my thing on it. But I will say that that while 
you know, while Seagal's movies on DVD have gone really downhill, <laughs> all movies, what, to say they've gone downhill is... A compliment. Wow, that's an understatement. But on the same token, the Van Damme movies are still really good. In fact, a lot of Van Damme's direct-to-video movies are even better than the ones he had in the theater. See, I always had I always had a thing with Van Damme versus Eric Roberts. I always liked the best of the best movies better than the Bloodsport movies. I like them both. I, I had to go for the best of the best series just because Roberts is much more awesome, and I can understand oh. his dialogue. Well, I never had a problem understanding Van Damme's dialogue, but uh, yeah, I like them both. I like Bloodsport. I like Best of the Best. If I'm in a Van Damme movie, I'll watch Bloodsport. I'm in an Eric Roberts movie mood, I'll. I'll, I'll watch the other one, but Van, the thing about Van Damme is Van Damme now compared to Seagal now and is that Van Damme's still in shape. Van Damme's still in shape, and he chooses a lot riskier of, of roles. Did you ever you watch, watch Las the, Vegas? Did you, did you ever watch the TV show Las Vegas? Uh, a, a time or two. He appeared on that as himself, and he got killed. So he yeah, actually died in the Las Vegas Crossing Jordan universe. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, was like, kind of a ballsy thing for him to do as an actor, I thought. He did, Van Dam, the Van Dam that we've had, we have now that we've had for the past 10 years, he chooses a lot darker roles and there and some of them are really damn good. Uh he did a revenge movie called Wake of Death. Really good. Uh he did he did one called Until Death that as a movie isn't great, but he's really good in it because he's playing a heroin-addicted cop. Uh, there was Replicant with him and Rooker, and, and I also really like really liked JCVD. But the thing of it is, is not only has he chosen these darker roles, he not to not to really insult a lot of his performances of the '90s, but he, he's gotten to be a pretty damn good actor. Out of his quote-unquote good movies, what would you say is his best? You know, uh, I, I love uh, Sudden Death. See, I, I gotta go Universal Soldier. Universal oh, Soldier packs too. a punch. I, I love that one, too. That's that's hard, because it, it, it sort of depends on what kind of mood I'm in. I really do love Sudden Death. I love Time Cop, and I love, I love Universal Soldier. You, See, you know what Van Damme movie I love? Kung Fu Panda 2. <laughs> okay, Brad. How, Brad, how do I mute his mic again? <laughs> because you know, to me, I've never, I was never really that much of a Van Damme fan. I was always drawn more to actors like Seagal because they just—I I don't know—he somehow exuded badassness in those early films. Whenever, I whenever I'm trying to show someone who. You know, like someone my of my son's age. I'm trying to show him what Seagal was like. I show him the bar scene from Out for Justice. Oh, yeah. And I'm like... Which hot dog is this? Is this yours? Yeah. I mean, that guy, he dominated the screen. I mean, yes, I know it was scripted to be that, but you never doubted for a second that Seagal's character was in control of what was happening next. I, I agree with you, and that's why I was my and I and, and in the day I liked Van Damme too, but I was I was I was always much more of a Steven Seagal fan back in the day, back when I was a kid, and it was for the reason that you just said. You know, the Van Damme movies, a lot of them, the formula was very much the same. Van Damme would give get his ass handed to him for the first however many minutes of the movie, and then at the end would come back 
and and would 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 kill the guy, whether it was Death Warrant or Cyborg or you know whatever. The Seagal movies were different. He owned the screen. If someone laid a punch on Steven Seagal, <laughs> it didn't really matter. Like, oh, okay, like uh, when even even when he gets shot, he gets shot in Out for Justice, and it might as well be a paper cut. He gets shot in Under Siege too, and his line is like, "Oh, you think this is getting shot? This isn't getting shot." You know, that was great stuff, and that's why I liked Seagal better. You know, nowadays, and, and also back then, if we're talking the late 80s, early mid-90s, the ratio of good Seagal movies to good Van Damme movies was higher, you know. Uh, Van Damme did have a lot of bad movies back then. He had more bad movies than Seagal did back then. Nowadays, it's the opposite. Van Damme has so many more good movies than, than Steven Seagal does, which as someone who grew up watching the Seagal movies is is sad because I, I I mean I still love those early movies of his I, I still do and I wish you know I, I wish we could get movies like that back again but you know like I said on the flip side Van Damme is still kicking ass and Van Damme is playing much darker roles and it's he's he's doing he's he's doing some good stuff see I thought Seagal was going to start branching out with the direct to video stuff when I heard he was doing a vampire movie. Of course, it's not... Oh, God. Yeah, if you've seen it, it's not really a vampire movie, and Seagal really doesn't do anything in it. It's I've a, it's, seen it. Yeah, I've seen it too, but I mean for for the audience's sake. And, yeah. then, and then there is... It, you know what that reminds me of? The one time Chuck Norris took a foray into horror with the, when he fought zombies in Silent Rage. Yeah. You know, like, like, like Seagal was just dipping his toe in to see if horror was his thing. Because... Let's face it, when you're a washed-up action star, you tend to go to horror or sci-fi movies. Yeah. So that's probably the next stage of what his direct-to-DVD career is going to be, is going to be horror films. Mm-hmm. And Against the Dark was not a good foray into that. No, no, not at all. Not at all. There was even some... What was that movie he did? Attack Force? Where it was, like, supposed to be a, an alien movie or something? And then was changed to where they're drug dealers or something, and and like half of his, that was weird. Like I didn't realize that he did a handful of movies where his voice is dubbed. So I'm flipping channels one night, and I come across Attack Force, and I'm like, okay, well, what's going on here? And he starts talking, and it's a dubbed voice, and I'm, what the hell on here? But then some of his lines aren't dubbed, so that was confusing me even more. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And and the person doing the dubbing of his voice is not even attempting to do a, a Seagal impersonation. No, he's just uh, talking in his regular voice. Yeah, and I'm like, this is oh my god. So uh, uh, so anyway, and I that was my first time realizing that a lot of his movies had dubbing in it. But how thin is your script that you can easily go from aliens to drug dealers? Remember that 80s movie, The Dark, that was supposed to be originally an alien ripoff? Halfway through filming, they decided to change it into a slasher movie. Oh, did they? And, and there's, like, no references to him being an alien anymore? Yeah. So oh, it, wow. Or, or maybe, or maybe, maybe it was the, the other way. No, actually, it was the other way around. It was a slasher movie that they turned into an alien ripoff. Sorry, yeah, I, I reversed that. Was there a sequel to that? I don't think so. Okay. That was the one with with uh, William Devane. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know which one you're talking 
talking about now. It's got like I, the I mummy that shoots. It. It's got the funny. mummy that shoots lasers out of his eyes. Nice. <laughs> and um, it's got Casey Kasem as a scientist, which oh. is which is interesting. <laughs> but very cool. But like, what happened to the? the 90s action movie because as I've been watching some of these Seagal movies the good ones I'm going they literally do not make movies like this anymore today's action movies are not like this anymore I'll tell you what happened Don Simpson died and things went to shit after that well Don Simpson didn't do any of the Seagal or Van Damme movies though I know that Don Simpson didn't but Don Simpson was part of creating you know um necessarily by himself, but he was at least a huge part of a very rough and violent R-rated action movie era. That's the kind of movie that he wanted. When he died, you had Bruckheimer take over all of that, and he made popular what is now the modern-day PG-13 tame action film. Because I remember when we were growing up, there was always these usually direct-to-video slash direct-to-cable, you know, the grizzled Vietnam vet, something happens to him, he gets revenge. Yeah. The, you know, that, or, or the burnt-out cop who doesn't want to be a cop or a CIA agent or whatever anymore, and whatever reason, yeah. you know, uh, Santiago is back on the scene, so he's got to come back and get him. That was the basic plot of all these. But they just don't seem to make these anymore, except in that, hey, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, hey, we're making like a 90s action movie again, and we're making it funny. Well, what you're describing, what you're describing is a very character-driven action film, and that's not the kind that generally get made anymore. Now it's all about spectacle. It's all about explosions. It's about CGI. It's about, you know, how many grand, you know, action set pieces we can fit onto the onto the onto into a two and a half hour movie. You know, it's not about, you know, those character driven movies that we used to see. And that's and that sucks. <laughs> well it's like I caught the uh, Invasion USA, the Chuck Norris Invasion USA was on cable not too long yeah. ago. And I'm watching that and I'm just saying, yes, I know that, you know, all those canon movies had a certain feel. But again, literally they don't make movies like this anymore. This kind of action movie is a dinosaur now. Yeah. And I don't like that, because I loved those movies as a kid. Just like I watched uh, all three ninja movies. You know, I mean, you know, companies are making, you know, the reason why movies don't like that don't get made anymore is because they have to stuff the PG-13 down our throat. You know, the standard action movie nowadays is rated PG-13. And, you know, and because of that, you can't have the kind of great action movies that we had when we were younger. It happens every now and then, you know, God bless Jason Statham movies. It's all about, you know, sexy cars, sexy explosions, sexy girls, but keeping it PG-13 for the teens. Look at, like like I said, Canon. Canon was a great place to go for us action movie guys in our teens. Yeah. Canon was just churning those out. Like I said, I just watched all three of the Ninja movies, Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, yeah. and in Ninja 3, The Domination, in the last week. You Literally, you do not, you will probably never see a movie like those again. or in, in, Unless about, it's in that nudge, about, nudge, wink, wink kind of way. They're about showcasing people who are larger than life, whether it's, you know, 
Charles Bronson, whether it's, you know, a lot of those canon guys, you know, it's the Seagals, the Schwarzeneggers, the Stallones, people that just exude charisma, ex are larger-than-life action figures, you know, they, they own the movie. In, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of repeat. I'm kind of repeating myself here, but you know, they. It, it seems like modern day action movies. They don't care about that. They just care about you know, CGI explosions versus you know, just a really cool. Just uh, but just a really cool who wants to create a huge body count because he, he got wronged. He got wronged somehow. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, this person looks fine d driving a CGI car. Well, I kind of blame that thing on the whole Fast and the Furious oh, thing. Oh man! And speaking of, we uh, we're gonna have to talk about the newest uh, way that uh, uh, CGI is ruining movies. But but in a second, I'll let you guys finish your topic first. No, uh, oh. I'm interested in what Jared has to say. Oh well, thank you. But uh, I know but what really... he's I know what he's gonna say, and you're gonna love this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tonight, uh, for the for the midnight showings, Jillian and I have to go see the Change Up. And I don't know if you've read anything about this, Josh. But I've, I've seen the trailer. I've, all I've seen is the trailer. Oh, then you're gonna love this. What, what's what's the actress's name, Brad? Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Okay, I was gonna say you broke up there for a second, but yeah. So Olivia Wilde is uh, supposed to be nude in this um, in this picture. But unfortunately, they've CGI'd her nipples. Out or in? In. In. She acted the scene with pasties on her nipples, and they CGI'd her nipples onto her. What's the Dead point? What's, serious. What's the, what's the point of even having her naked? Why not just have her naked then? It almost seems like it costs more money to have her naked than to have not had her naked. Honestly, Are we supposed to not curse on this show. <laughs> hey, I, I, I have I have bleep you know power, Jared. You know what? Sometimes it calls for it. That is a waste of. You know what? First of all, if you don't want to do nudity. Don't try out part. And also, she's been nude in a movie before. Well, she was naked in Alpha Dog. I mean, maybe it comes down to the situation. Look at uh, the original Piranha. Remember the scene where she flashes the guard to get in yeah. near the end? Those were stunt breasts. That's why it was done as an insert shot. Because she yeah. refused to take her top off, even though when she read the script, she knew there was a nude scene, but when they got to ready to do it, she just couldn't bring herself to do it. Yeah. Maybe it's something like that. Or going back to Machete. Guys, you're not actually seeing Lindsay Lohan naked. You'll notice the only times you see her breasts cleanly, you can't see her face. Then don't try out for the part. You know what? You know what makes you what what infuriates me the most in a situation like that is when they're playing like a stripper and they don't strip because there's no nudity in their contract. Then don't try out for a stripper, Jessica Alba in Sin City. <laughs> oh yeah, she'd be the most popular stripper there. Carla Gugino looked great in her black and white boobies, though. Oh yeah, she did. I've got oh, a man. I've got a huge thing for Carla Gugino. Brad, I have a huge Karen Cisco poster on my wall from back when I worked at the ABC affiliate here. Oh nice! I've got a huge Carla Gugino Karen Cisco poster on my wall right now. Yeah, I love Carla Gugino. 
I just oh, wish she great. wouldn't do some of the crap that she does. <laughs> Sucker punch. <laughs> no, I'm I'm thinking more like the Spy Kids movies or uh, uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Oh, I didn't even realize she was in that. Yeah, she. I, fi- I figured I figured she was in Spy Kids because Robert Rodriguez. How big of a role did she have in Popper's their foils? Uh, I'm assuming she was the mother. You know who Carla Gugino is, know. right? I not by not by uh, face, no. Uh, brown hair. How old would she be? Like late thirties, early forties, maybe. Yeah, she'd be early forties, I think. Okay, that would be the mother then. Um, she was pretty dominant. Because I love her. She's a great actress. She's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And drop dead gorgeous. And personally, you know what? I still am mad at ABC for what they did to the Karen Cisco TV series. I oh, yeah. loved that show. I don't know if you ever watched that. I loved Karen Cisco. That show was fun. It was energetic. Yeah. It was a very original take on a lot of things because they really would lead you in one direction, and then being Elmore Leonard and the fact that he actually produced the show himself, it would take yeah. you in a really weird direction, which if you're an Elmore Leonard fan, you always expect the weird direction. And yeah. the show worked beautifully. So, of course, let's cancel it because uh, The Bachelor keeps eating into its time slot. Uh, no, th- that was the reason. It was always on after The Bachelor, and The Bachelor was live, so The Bachelor would always run late, so they would tell them to edit the, the Karen Sisko episodes down to 40 minutes without commercials so we can have that extra slide time for The Bachelor. Oh, because everybody does, wants to watch The Bachelor better. Does reality bachelor? TV have to ruin everything? We are such a... Stupid. We are such a stupid, brain-dead freaking society nowadays, and I blame reality television. It's Indeed. it's one of the problems. But so, uh-huh. yeah, the, I, I love Carla Gugino. She is absolutely awesome. She's like a, a, a huge crush of mine as well as uh, I love Lisa Snyder from Yes, Dear. Oh, yeah, she's great. I've got a huge thing for Lisa Snyder and, and Paula Marshall. Uh-huh. I love Paula Marshall as well. Lisa Snyder is awesome. Which, I like her, too. If anybody's picturing the three of them together, you might notice that I'm into the same type of woman. Because <laughs> <laughs> you might notice that my type is is kind of a narrow vision there. Chicks who are hot. Well, not just that, but you'll notice they all kind of fall into the same category of hot chick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all right, we got five minutes left. The modern action movie, How Can It Be Saved?, do you think a movie like or, Mach- Do you think a movie like the Stay the movies? Well, you heard about the two Machete sequels that that have been confirmed, right? Yeah, I did. And the third one, he's going to be in space. <laughs> he's going to be on a space station. Oh, okay. Now that actually, if done properly, I think might help save the action genre for the modern hey, era. It, you know, it's like, and I liked, I liked, Mach- I liked Machete. All right, I, I liked it just fine. I thought it was a fun movie. I hope the sequels don't take themselves as seriously as the first one did, but... You're putting Machete uh, in space. I don't think you can. Well, I, I mean... <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if it still did. But um, I kind of like that, though, because we've seen horror franchises go up into, into space so many times, so, hey, why not an action franchise? But, I mean, other than Machete, is there anything on the horizon that looks like it... Without that nudge, nudge, wink, wink, hey, look, we're being funny and making 80s references, is there any movies coming out that really look like they're getting the action movie back on track? Uh, Have you seen the trailer for Killer Elite? No, not yet. That looked good. 
Looks like 90 minutes of Clive Owen and Statham trying to kill each other. It looks awesome. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, which one was the Statham one? That, that's that's got to be that one. I, yeah, I, I only see, I've only seen TV spots for this one, but like Col- Columbalina or something like that? Oh, C- Columbiana. Columbiana, the, that's it. That looks interesting. I haven't, I haven't seen a full trailer, so I don't know what the story is, but the TV spots they've been showing are pretty good. I like the people behind it. You know, I did, I tend to like a lot of the stuff that on rice. Um so I, I like a lot of people who were who were behind that movie. So I might I might check it out. And you know, I so, I'm about to I'm about to shoot myself in the foot here. But you know what really could have been a good modern action movie if the script had been a little bit better? What's that? Bad Smurfs. Boys Two. The Bad Boys Two was a hard R. <laughs> but it that could oh, have been yeah. a really good action movie Especially under Bay's direction, if the script had made sense at all. Yeah, you know they tried making they tried going back to making like an early '90s style action movie with that, and in a lot of ways, it, it kind of was just not a very good one. You know, I mean, it was rough. It was a hard R. They even put they even put Don Simpson's name back in front of it. It just it was too long. It was oh, yeah. two and a half hours long, and. And, Too much silly crap in it. And, well, it had one huge deficit right from the get-go. Martin Lawrence is not an action star, and they kept trying to make him into one in these movies. Uh-huh. Martin Lawrence can't do action. All he does is whine through both movies every time an action scene comes about while Will Smith does everything. And maybe that's, the, <laughs> maybe that's what the character dynamic is supposed to be, but they sell these movies as these two are action heroes. Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be one thing if he wasn't a cop, but he is. Well, and the problem is, Martin Lawrence, I don't even find him all that funny. I've seen his stand-up, and I've seen him in uh, plenty of movies, and he's not really that funny. I mean, uh, he, I, he he tries, God bless his heart, but he's just not funny. <laughs> I did, I watched, I watched Martin when I was a kid. Yeah, me too, me too. I d- and I don't know, I, I think really what made that funny was... Um, was the actress was who played Shanene? <laughs> Did you get turned on a little bit from Shanene there, Brad? <laughs> well, yeah, didn't everybody? No. <laughs> Shanene was hot. So it just to me, it seems like the action I'd like movie. To see her in a three way uh, three way with Carla Gugino and, uh, and uh, <laughs> Olivia Wilde. <laughs> you know, it's it seems to me that. The action movie that we grew up with is a dead genre. And especially by even when kids of today, and when I say kids, I'm talking teens, early you know, college students, when they watch these movies, they watch them with that hipster sort of, oh man, this is so bad, it's awesome. They don't watch it for just the this is awesome factor that we did when we were kids. Well, to go back to, I mean, I uh, my heart swelled up pretty big last week during Cowboys and Aliens, seeing all of the practical effects that were being used in it. Haven't seen it. we got 30 seconds left, so wrap it up, guys. Final thoughts. Uh, 30 seconds left. Hey, go out and see Cowboys and Aliens. If you yeah, if you give yeah. me the $7, I will go see it. Probably, <laughs> I, have, um, I have money problems. I, I can't afford to go see it. I want to take this opportunity to real quickly plug Foil Wrap Productions. Uh, it has... I mean, I'm uh, basically open for business now. And they can contact I, you where, Jared? At, well, right now, well, I'll tell you what. 
foilwrapproductions.com. All one word. Awesome. Good night. I'm gonna I'm gonna say good night and go find real '80s action movies. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. Good night. Journey of a thousand lifetimes with the children.